listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. Please turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15, and our ushers have Bibles here. If you don't have a Bible, if you forgot it or you don't have one, just raise your hand, and they're just going to work their way to the back. Raise their hand, they'll pass one down to you if you'd like to take that Bible home with you and, and read it and use it, take it with you. That's our gift to you. But we are really amped up about the Word of God, and I encourage you to be bringing your Bible Sunday after Sunday. Uh, I'm a little biased. I think the in-print Bible is better than the electronic glow-in-the-face kind of Bible, but maybe it'd be a little more helpful here for you to have the glow-in-the-face kind of Bible. I'm not sure. The lighting's not too bad in here, but there's something about the print version that you can take and underline, and you can make some little marks in there and, and, and continue your study throughout the course of the week. So I encourage you to be bringing your Bibles, bringing notebooks. Love to see Bibles and notebooks come in. And uh, take notes, as take, take uh, note of things I'm saying, Bible references, and the points on the screen encourage you to be studying it this week. This is God's Word. It's living and active. And it'll be living and active here in this room as we proclaim it. But as we open it, and we take and read it, and we take and apply it to our lives, our God works in and through, and He transforms us as we take and start living out His Word. And so, encourage you to be bringing your Bibles. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15, and we're going to look at one verse, and it's at the very end of the chapter. And here on our first Sunday, on our new location, I want to challenge us to not think that this is now the time. We've got the location. We've kind of got this figured out now. And, and, you know, and, and we still have a lot of glitches and that to work through. But this is not time to take and hit cruise control in our spiritual walk, in our mission that God has called us to here at Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. If anything, it's time to step it up a notch. And it's time to take things further. And, and because... Just because we've moved into an entertainment center does not mean that we've come to sit back and, and, and relax. And I know these chairs are a lot more comfortable, would you agree, a lot more comfortable than the, the, the chairs in the gym? Well, I don't want you to get too comfortable. I want you to be uncomfortable. And so at times, you know, if you start falling asleep, I don't know what I'm going to do if you're getting too comfy. You know, um, have your neighbor nudge you. If, you start, if someone starts snoring next to them, expose them. Tell them. Just sit, turn around and say, stop that. You're snoring. Bet you they won't do it again. Anyways, so you know what? Um, you know what? But now's not the time to get comfortable. But now's the time even more than ever that we want to engage our Jesus in worship, lifting high the name of Jesus in worship. We want to offer in this room and throughout the course of the week faith-filled prayers, believing firmly as we do in the power of prayer. We want to pick up the serving towel and serve here one another, serve within our church, serve in our community, get to know the businesses around us and, and get to... to patronize them after the service. You may want to go there before the service. Stop by in the middle of the week saying, we're doing church here. I was able to talk with one of the, the store owners this morning and, and she was thrilled to know that this was happening. And, and I said, I'm hoping some of our people will stop by for a coffee at the end of the service and, and not in the middle of the service. Don't get up and get one. But, you know, I mean, just being able to, to, to get to know our community. It's time to step it up and serve others. It is time even more than ever to give sacrificially of our time, of our offering, it's time more than ever to take God's word and apply it because we want here in this place to proclaim the authority of God's word without apology more than we ever have before. We want to keep going. We don't want to hit cruise control. Amen? Amen? Okay. So we've got to, 
and to follow um, Jesus in, in that way and, and just, just press into him. And so this morning we are going to look at just a magnificent verse that challenges us to not hit cruise control, but challenges us to press on, to be steadfast, to be unshakable in our faith, in our convictions, in our service for God. And so we're going to look at, at, at 1 Corinthians 15, 58, but the whole first 57 verses, I'm not going to go through all of that today. We're going to look at some of that next week, but we're actually looking at the conclusion. The first 57 verses actually talk about gospel doctrine. It gives us our heart and our understanding into the gospel. And verse 58 brings it down into the gospel culture how we live this out, and how we live out the first 57 verses. Paul was writing in these first number of verses, and powerful, I mean, if you want to know the gospel and you want to explain the gospel to someone, go to 1 Corinthians 15, and it's right there in the very first few verses where it says, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried, and he, and he was raised again according to the scriptures. It's telling us Christ lived, Christ died, Christ rose again. And if you are in Christ, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the same story is true for you. You will live. Check your pulse. You alive? You're alive. You will also die, each one of us. Life will take its toll on us, and each one of us, at some point in our existence, we will die. But if we're in Christ, we will rise again. We will be resurrected. In fact, I don't even believe we actually really even die. I mean, we close our eyes and we, everyone here on the face of this earth thinks he's gone, but it's in that moment we are more alive than ever before. It's in that moment that our Heavenly Father says, let's get out of here, let's go, got something for you. And that is the hope that we have in Christ. We live, we die, we rise again. What happened to Christ is also a picture of what has happened because he has conquered sin, he has conquered death, and he, as we trust him in the gospel, the same is true for us. And so as we understand this glorious gospel doctrine, Paul then describes to us what this gospel, gospel culture looks like. It means that we live in a certain way. We live with a certain purpose and a certain mission in mind. Look what he says, verse, verse 58. Encourage you to memorize this. Maybe some of you already have it memorized. Encourage you to memorize this and keep this in the forefront of your mind. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So we're going to break this down. We're going to take, take a look at, at this verse here. First of all, the word steadfast. What does the word steadfast mean? You might want to write this down. Write down the word steadfast and beside it, write down firm, stable, relentless. Sometimes we are so sporadic, aren't we? We can be so fickle. I mean, we're in, we're out, we're up, we're down, we're hot, we're cold. Jesus was steadfast. He remained steady stable, relentless, firm in his convictions. We might think that, that maybe, well, Jesus, yeah, he, he probably, I mean, seeing he was the son of God, he, he, he had a few, you know, supernatural abilities to him. He probably pressed into that. He probably took a bit of a shortcut so that he could stay firm and steadfast, and, but he didn't. Jesus faced the same trials and the same temptations that we face. 
And yet by him believing in the promises of the Father more than the appearances of the moment, he remained faithful. And folks, we need to do the same. Believing in the promises of God, believing in the promises of his word, rather than the appearances and what's going on in the moment. That our God is faithful and we are to be steadfast. What are we supposed to be steadfast in? In our convictions. We are to uphold the word of God. This is God's word that has been given to us in a world that is downplaying the importance of the word of God. And oftentimes, even in churches today, we are going away from what God's word says and we're looking at what human authors and philosophers and teachers have to say. We need to keep going back to the word of God. We are living in a day where it is a darkening day in so many ways and we need to uphold the word of God. We're living in a world that denies authority. Authority is whatever you want it to be, whatever you think it is. Whatever is, is true in your mind, that's true for you. And our world is downplaying the, God's authority in our world, in our lives. We're living in a world that is calling evil good and good evil. And we don't believe for a moment that the Bible is out of date, old-fashioned, not necessary. We believe it is relevant and it speaks to every area of our lives. Be steadfast in your convictions about God's word. Folks, we need to be steadfast that, that Jesus is the only way to God. There's not a whole bunch of pathways that will eventually lead to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We need to believe that hell is real. It's hot. And eternity is forever. And we need to understand that. And that helps to remind us of the mission that we're placed in here on our earth for. Harvest, we need to be steadfast in upholding these four pillars. I've already referred to them in my message. Did you catch that a little earlier? I did them a little out of order to mess with you a little bit, but we need to be steadfast in proclaiming the authority of God's word without apology, lifting high the name of Jesus in worship, believing firmly in the power of prayer, and sharing the word of God with boldness. We're going to hold to our convictions about what is a quality disciple, our three W's, someone who worships God, someone who walks with God, walks with Christ, and someone who works for him. We're, we're going to uphold those convictions as a church, as individuals. We need to do that. We need to be steadfast in our character. May we be people of integrity. Our yes be yes, our no be no. Pursuing holiness, pursuing humility in all that we do. Not allowing pride and arrogance to take over. We need to be people of deep, spiritual, humble character. People who are real, authentic, you can't be shadow-living people living in hypocrisy. You need to be real. And, and even on Wednesday night, we had our, we had our prayer night, and, and uh, I met Dwayne, who's leading worship here this morning. He was leading worship there, and, and I met him out in the parking lot, and, and he had a look on his face that I don't often see on Dwayne. And I said, hey, man, how's it going? He says, not good. It's been one of those days. And I'm like, right on. Um, get in there. And, uh, and, and, and lead us in worship, and, and you press through it. He didn't fake it. He didn't fake it that, that it was a lousy day. He even kind of mentioned right at the start, you know what, it's been one of those days, but we're going to press through it. We're going to be real, but we're going to go to Jesus. We're going to worship, even when we don't feel like it, when it's hard, we press in. And God used him as, as we met together for worship and prayer. We press through that. We're real about it. It's not all this plastic and shiny. How are you doing? Oh, great. You know, and wear that, that, that cheesy, sparkly smile that everything's good and on the inside everything is falling apart. We want to be real, be authentic, but keep turning to Jesus. 
There are days that are hard for all of us. Every one of us, it's going to be just enough to put one foot in front of the other and keep moving. It's like the guy who on Sunday morning, he's sleeping in, kept hitting the snooze button, and his wife said, come on, we've got to get going to church. Let's get moving. And, 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 uh, you know, and he's like, I don't think I'm going to go today. And you know, I just want to sleep, and I don't want to go. And she's, no, come on, you've got to get moving. Come on. And she's getting him moving, and, she says, you get, and he said, you give me three good reasons why I should go to church today. She said, well, one, it's good for you. Two, sets a good example for our children. And three, you're the pastor. Come on, let's get going, you know. And, and that sort of thing, I mean, even for pastors, it's one step out. Be real that, that some days are hard. But we have Jesus to lean on, to keep pressing into. Press through. Let's be steadfast in our convictions, in our character, in our commitments. Most of us, we're in very little danger of being too fanatical in our commitment to Jesus. Wouldn't you agree with that? It's going to be the opposite that we're going to struggle with. Yep, you're just spending too much time in the Word of God, too much time in prayer, too much time witnessing, too much time in service for, for our King. No, our problem is going to be the total opposite of that. Not going far enough with Jesus, not taking Him seriously. Kind of just living kind of uh, just below that level of mediocrity in our lives, just doing enough to kind of get by. Don't want to commit too much because something else just might come up. And so don't want to commit because you know what? I've got a busy life. No, we, we stay true in our commitments to Christ. As we grow in the reality of the gospel, as we understand, as we worship Jesus and are overcome more and more about the sacrifice that he made, what the gospel is all about, it should amp up our commitment to Christ. Not slow it down, but to keep on going because of what he has done. How he saved us, how he's called us. It's amazing. I mean, and, and so as, as we understand that in a greater way, our commitments keep growing. I did a little math this week, you know, just for kids who have to go back to school soon. Just, you know, I, I pulled out my calculator, did, did a little math work. And um, did you know there's 168 hours in a week? Yeah, seven times 24, 168, right? Hope so. Anyways, that's what my calculator said that it was. And I wonder how many hours are spent watching TV, Netflix, on social media, um, reading okay books, but not necessarily spiritual at all. How much time is spent caring for our bodies, you know, making ourselves try to, you know, slap on a little more, you know, whatever, a little more gel to hold the hair. You know, if I, I find if I put a little more gel in my hair these days, it makes my hair look a little darker so it doesn't look quite so gray. You know, I mean, we spend time doing some of these things to, you know, it's, it's like slapping paint on the old barn. It's still the old barn, right? You know, and, and you try to do these certain things. I mean, and, and how much time we spend working out and, and um, you know, how much time we spend in work, how much time we spend, you know, visiting with good friends. How much time do we spend serving Jesus, serving him and his church, his bride? Is it too much to ask to give him four or five hours a week? That's about 3% or under 3%, about 2.9% of your week. Is that too much to give to Jesus? You see, when we understand God's word and, and the gospel, we understand it, that no one is getting out of this earth alive, that Life here will take every one of us at some point or another and that Jesus provides the answer. He provides the answer to eternity. Doesn't that motivate us to get the word out? Oh, may we be steadfast people in our mission. 
May we be steadfast people in what he's called us to do. Next of all, immovable in our mission. So we're steadfast, immovable in our mission. Immovable, what does that mean? Not deterred, not quitting, not shaken. When you look at our world and you see what's going on, the rate of change that is happening in our world, it is incredible. Just take a look at the world events that took place this past week. They're kind of showing to you some of them in pictures here. I mean, crazy what is going on in our world. News items from just this past week. The crazy instability of the stock markets. I mean, unprecedented, just up and down, and, and, and people losing money, and, and I mean, just panic and fear. ISIS wiping out historical landmarks and warning of a new wave of attacks. Jared, the subway guy, arrested. Child pornography. Ashley Madison. The story continues there of the hackers who have exposed the subscribers to the adultery website. A newspaper reporter being shot and killed right in the middle of an inter interview, all on social media. We see the definition of the marriage and the family that is changing. Planned Parenthood selling body parts from aborted children. Scary things happening in Ontario in regards to the public education system and believe that that ripple effect is going to spread here across Canada. Our world is changing. And yet God's word calls us to be immovable. And as followers of Christ, our mission hasn't changed even though our world has changed. Our location may have changed here for a Sunday morning. But our mission does not change. We are to be unmovable in this. The whole story from the book of Genesis to the end in Revelation is the story of God reconciling himself to his creation. That's the whole story from the beginning to the end. And that work is happening here in our city, in our world, and in our lives. And we are called to be a part of it. What is our mission as a church? I want to remind you what our mission as a church is. And, and these words are up on, on the screen. To glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Doing that in the spirit of the Great Commandment. And we're going to go and tell people about Jesus Christ. But we're going to do that in love. In an attitude of love. We are going to be immovable in our mission for God. To go out and to share that to him. I'm praying that the Lord would set within our church, he would set our church apart to be immovable in, in our mission. Not just here in the next few months, from, but from generation to generation until he returns, until he calls us home. May we be faithful. Not just give it for six months or a year or until something else comes along or until I leave, you know, the, this city or, or wherever it might be. No mediocrity, folks. No petty issues that will get us off mission. Think of the greater mission that is ahead of us. Having a humble spirit. No church splits. But a radiant love for Jesus Christ that continues to grow. May it be our prayer that Jesus Christ would visit our city and this region through this church. Sunday after Sunday throughout the course of the week. Amen? Amen. Look again at verse 58 now. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. When I hear this work, abounding, I encourage you to underline the word abounding. Um, because, I mean, it's such a, a great word. When I hear that work abounding, I think of somebody who's running downhill with a great big smile on their face. They're like, this is amazing. And they've got the momentum and they are going. I, I don't think of the word drudgery when I think of abounding. 
I don't think of the word, ah, oh, do I have to? When I think of abounding, I think of joy, enthusiasm, eager. It's about giving a full shovel in all that we do, whether it's our work, whether it's in our leisure, when it's with our families, when it's in our service for God, in everything that we're always abounding. It's like, I I get the the imagery and sometimes they'll, they'll show you what goes on on a football field just back in behind the stadium right before they announce the players and they come running out. You have all these football players and they're just huddling together and they're bouncing and they're doing weird dances and, and, you know, and, and they're giving it. Even my Saskatchewan Rough Riders this afternoon, they're going to be abounding at least behind the stadium. I mean, they're going to be giving it. Now, they're going to go out there. They're going to give it. They may lose yet again, but they're going to, they're abounding. They're going to get out there and they're going to try to get there first victory of the season, you know, and, uh, you know, it'll come eventually, but abounding is not just enduring. Abounding is the opposite of foot dragging. Those things are an insult to the living Christ when we look at the work that we do for him in that way, that it's foot dragging or is something we have to endure. It says always abounding in the work of the Lord. You just say, hold it. I, I can't be doing the Lord's work all the time. I mean, you get paid, you know what, you know what, to, to, to do the Lord's work. You know, I got to go out and earn a living. I, I, I got commitments. Got a family. I got a, got a business. I, I got my leisure. I, I've got a lot of things that I want to take some holidays. Good. Do it. Wonderful. But just earlier in this book, in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul said to the Corinthians, he said, whatever you do, in word, in deed, whatever you do, if you eat, whatever you drink, do it all for the glory of God. In everything, we're doing it for his glory, not for our glory. In all that we're doing, we do it as a work for the Lord, making him great in our lives, speaking forth the truth of his word, wherever we go. This is how we can always be abounding in the work of the Lord. Being working with integrity. Working with with care for those that are around us. Not just seeing people as a number or as an irritant, but seeing them as precious to the King of Kings. Think about it for a moment. Just take a look at this map of our region. Try, try to get, you know, at basically our region here on this map. I mean, from we have people who, who come from Vernon all the way to Peachland and... Um, and you just kind of see, if we were to put red dots all along where, where people, you know what, from our church, where they live, it would be amazing. I mean, some people can walk to church here at this location. Some live here in the Mission. Some live in Upper Mission. Some in Glenmore, in Kettle Valley, in Allison, in Black Mountain, in, in Rutland, in, in East Kelowna, in, in Lake Country, in Magic Estates, in Vernon, in Peachland, and of course, West Kelowna, you know, any West Kelowna people here? Oh, yeah, we got a, got a number of those. I mean, from all over. And, and so if we were to put red dots from wherever people are, it would look spotted up. It would like a, a kid with chicken pox. Like, it would be quite amazing, you know what, to see that. You know, and, and so if we were to have that, that would be something else. But then, you know what, would even further multiply that if we put some more red dots on all the coffee shops, on the workplace, the places we shop, the, the places we go for our entertainment, the places that we go for our leisure, for school. 
Um, the golf courses, the clinics we go to, all of the different places where we have influence, it would fill that, that map up in even a greater way. God has uniquely placed you. He's placed you where you live. He's placed you with the job that you have, with the people that are in your influence. He has placed each, each one of us. And whether it's with our jobs, with our families, with our friends, with, in our hobbies, in our leisures, in our school, whatever it is, we are to be about the Lord's work, always abounding in it. Even this week, one of our men got pulled over on his way back from worship practice. Dwayne, I'm picking on you again. He got pulled over by the RCMP, and uh, it was later on, on Thursday night, and he saw the red lights flash, and, and he didn't think he was speeding, and and the officer told him that his license plate had expired by one day. And, um, and he was not the happiest of people about it, nor was his wife. And uh, although he did avoid a very large fine, the officer had grace on him, but he did have to get his vehicle towed. And so as the tow truck driver was driving him, Dwayne was texting a friend, and his friend said to him, share the gospel with the tow truck driver. And he's like, and sure, his first reaction is, get out of here. I'm a little ticked. Not, not very, as if I'm going to share the gospel with him, but his friend was rather emphatic. Share the gospel, share Jesus with the tow truck driver. So Dwayne did. He rose up to that challenge. And this guy's blown away because usually people that he's, he's towing, they are seeing him as the enemy. They're upset. They're not impressed. Dwayne invited him to church. Dwayne let him know what's going on. That's what it means to always be abounding in the work of the Lord, right? In whatever we do. I mean, I love that story. And I've got to raise that bar in my own life. And you've got to raise that bar in your life, right? Anyone agree? Yeah, let's get after it. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now, outside the church, when we head out throughout the course of the week. We all have unique locations like we talked about on that map. But when we gather together here on Sunday mornings, we're woven together as one body with many different parts, many different functions. And so we are always to be abounding in the work of the Lord. And you know what, folks? I want to tell you something. If you are going to be all that God wants you to be, you need for me to be all that God wants for me to be. Does that make sense? This is, this is a partnership. This is a family. This is everyone fulfilling their part. Individually, we are members of one another. You need me, and you need to be praying for me in the following areas. That I would love my family well. I need help in that. Because I oftentimes want to love myself well and not love my family well. You need me to not care about numerical growth, but about the spiritual growth of the flock. Pray for me that I would be someone who will preach the word, first to myself and then to you, and that God would transform me and he would transform you through his living word. You need to be praying for me. You need me to lead well, not out of selfish motives, but out of humility. You need me to submit to our elders, joyfully. You see, my primary role is leadership, it's, it, it's preaching. But you know what? Preaching isn't an end in itself. Preaching isn't just something that, you know what, stand up here, shout it out for a little while, and then walk off and, and say, see you later next Sunday. I don't want to have that sort of 
presence, and I don't want to have that sort of understanding of, of, of my role. I believe that preaching the word of God creates, it builds because it's God's word. And it needs to be doing a work in me and be doing a work in you. Come with open hearts to allow God's word to change and to transform you. And as we do that, transformation takes place in our families, in our lives individually, in our communities. Wherever we go, we are to be agents of reconciliation for Christ. You need to be, I need to be doing my part. You need to be doing your part. In your seats where you're sitting, there's those orange sheets. Three weeks in a row, we've had those available for you to take. Fill one out. Do your part. What areas can you serve? You know what? There's, there's a new box added this week, new this week, you know, flashing kind of kind of little thing. It says, where most needed. I love it. Last Sunday, had a guy come to me and said, Meldon, where can I be of most use? You know kind of what I can do. And, and, you know, even though we may need some, some people to help with worship, if you can't sing, if you can't play, we're probably not going to put you up here. You know, just for our sake and for your sake. But we'll work with you to find a place. Mark, where most needed? Or, hey, I can help with this. I can help in this area. I need to be doing my part. You folks need to be doing your part. We're together, working together for the cause, for the, the work of the gospel. You see, sadly, the church in North America, it is so shifted. We have gotten so off of it. And that's why early in, in, um, in, in the book of Acts, we need to keep visiting that because there you see the church in, in its most beautiful form as, 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 it's, as it's raw, as it's real, as it's messed up, and yet they continue to keep moving on with the gospel. But in North America, we have shifted in, in how we treat church. In fact, it's become basically very unbiblical. You see, we have turned church a little bit differently. Um, and it's ironic that we're meeting in a place of entertainment because in so many ways, we have turned the church into a place of entertainment. It's kind of like going to church is kind of like going to the movies. You choose which one you're going to go to. You select the time that most, you know, at best fits. If you can go to cheap Tuesdays, that's even better, you know, because you can get away with, with a little bit more that way. And, and uh, you know, you sit back in the comfy chair and, um, and get entertained and then walk out and critique it. So oftentimes that's what's happening in church today. Oh, popcorn was awful. You know, oh, there's a Tommy Texter behind me, or, you know, there was somebody kicking my seat. It was really irritating, you know, or, or, or man, I sure didn't like what was going on at the front today, you know, and, and we can become, just turn church into the same kind of thing. That's not what Christ did when Christ died for us. That's not what he had in mind for the church. He's called us to be on mission for him. We don't do church for show. We don't do it to look good. We do it for our own sanctification to become more and more like Christ. And as we grow and in, in holiness and in our service for Christ, not exalting ourselves, but, but exalting the Lord, we find him showing up in our lives in ways that we could not even imagine. Find a place to plug in and be committed. Finally, look at the last part of the verse. It says, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. The rewards are out of this world. Underline the word, though, in the Lord. That's so important, those words. Any impulse of self-exaltation, of self-glory, will end in emptiness, even when we do work for the Lord. If we're doing it to try to look good or, or, or try to gain a certain reputation, it'll be vain, glory, 
and it will die out. Just remember something, folks. God is not unjust. He is faithful. He knows everything that you do. He, he takes note of those things we do that no one else even knows about, those, those areas behind the scenes. He knows the things that, that, the prayers that we pray in faith, and he hears and he listens, and God is not unjust. He won't overlook us, but on the day, on that great and glorious day, he will reward us for all that we have done when we've done it as unto the Lord. But when we are working as unto the Lord, um, it has an eternal significance. He gives us work to do, and, and time and eternity won't wear it away one little bit. And so this means everything that we do, even as a church on a Sunday morning, has eternal significance. Welcoming people at the door, setting up, taking down, making schedules, making coffee, bringing snacks, changing diapers, has eternal significance. Holding and loving young babies, operating buttons and computers and, and, and all kinds of other little gadgets uh, to try to get things sounding and looking proper up here. The money that you give, whether it's great or small, the giving of your full shovel in all that you do will last for eternity when we're working as unto the Lord. He will reward, he will bless the work you do in your job and you give it a full shovel, the work that you do around the house that no one else notices, the dusting, the cleaning, the, the, the washing, the drying, all that you do. God honors that as we're doing it as unto him. Our labor is not in vain. You know what that word labor means there in verse 58 where he says our labor not in, is not in vain? I, I went to the Greek and actually looked in the Greek and you know what that word labor means? Labor. It means work. And oftentimes hard work. And, and I mean, it, it's not all that mind-blowing to know that, that our labor means hard, grueling work. And yet when we're doing it for Christ... It's worth it in the end. Remember the whole first 57 verses because of what Christ has done? Because of the fact that he lived, he died, he rose again, and he's given that to us? It's worth it. We live again. We won't often see the immediate results, though, of the work that we do. We may not see it until heaven. But God is faithful. You know, we, we plant a little garden in our backyard. Charlotte has the green thumb. I'm, I'm kind of the, the brown thumb guy. I'm the guy that takes care of the dirt and the soil ahead of time. And then she takes care of the planting and, and so much of the other work that goes on. And, and you know what? One of the most frustrating times for me is, is in the spring when the ground's all ready. It's still a little cool. Charlotte pulls the seed, puts the seeds in the ground and sometimes transplants these little seedlings, these little pathetic looking tomato plants or whatever it is. And you kind of hope that, you know what, the quail doesn't get at some of it or, or you know what, that a windstorm knocks it down or whatever. And it's just like, come on, come on, hurry up, you know, grow, grow, grow. And, and it doesn't. Like even if I, I yell at it and even if I water it lots and, and even weed it, it it's not like I'm, I'm going to have instant fruit right away, right? It's, it takes time. And one of the things I absolutely love, I love cucumbers. I mean, as a kid growing up, just cucumbers, cucumber salad and all of this. Well, we planted just a couple of cucumber seeds, and I'm like, I hope these are good ones this year. We kind of had some lousy success with, with cucumbers in the last number of years. And so we put these in the ground, and Charlotte said, you can't put in too much because you don't have to put in all the other stuff. And so, but I want my cucumbers. And I mean, just look at these units that, I mean, just picked this one yesterday, went out this morning with my flashlight, picked another one. And these things, I mean, they just keep growing like crazy. Anyone need a cucumber? 
Cheers, I'll chuck. Okay, no, I won't throw it here, but come and get a, get, get a cucumber afterwards, you know. But it took time. It took some care and attention, trying to weed things a little bit, making sure it gets watered, making sure that, you know, the, the weed whipper, because it's growing down a wall, doesn't get, you know, it doesn't chop off the vine or, or injure the precious cucumbers. You know, I mean, you've got to put some time and effort into it. But in the end, there's fruitfulness. And folks, the same is true when we work for God. When we're working as unto him, it's not in vain. A harvest of righteousness, a harvest of souls. God is faithful. He will reward. He is the Lord of the harvest. What you put in, God takes and he multiplies it in ways that we can't even see or believe. But we need to remain steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And how is this possible? Because of the first 57 verses. Because of the resurrection life that we have in Christ. We're singing a little earlier, bound for glory. And that's such a fitting kind of tribute, a song that why are we doing it? Because this world is not my home, but we're bound. And we want to take as many with us. We're bound for glory. Bound for heaven's gates. And so, I'm going to ask the band to come up and we're going to sing the song that we started our service with. Don't normally do that, but we, we're going to sing this song about God's glory and God show up here. And, and may this be a prayer as we sing it. May we sing it as a declaration. May we sing it with gusto in our hearts. Lord, show us your glory. Lord, show up in this room. Show up in our lives. Show up in our family. Show us your glory. We've waited for this day. And God has given it to us. He's given us another day. Another day to live for him. So be steadfast, harvest. Be immovable. Always be abounding in the work of the Lord. Amen.